Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, this is the African Liberation Media the day's date is October 12th, 6261. I'm here with Brothers Amos and Macaru. What's in the forefront of everyone's mind is the forthcoming election in two days. You've got two white supremacists, and yet the raw elements to use Macaroo's term, a white supremacist feel as if they are losing their grip. You know, how is this possible, <laughs> given the current setup? Just one talking point. The other talking point is young activist. She must be about 40. Tamika Mallory out of Minnesota is making loud noises in Louisville, Kentucky. Obviously, highly annoyed, angry over the injustice meted out to our young sister who was murdered and exonerated by a phenotypically black attorney general, Daniel Cameron. She compared him to the African brothers on the continent to sold their brethren into slavery, to be abused, raped, misused, tortured, despiritualized by what she described as white savages. Suffice it to say the decision made by Daniel Cameron was morally indefensible. But, of course, he has tried to offer a defense for his behavior. Mallory went on to say that he did not even have the moral decency to call our murdered sister's mother to tell her not to come to Frankfort, Kentucky. And, in fact, she described him as basically gutless, and that the mother of the slain found out about her daughter's killer's exoneration by way of mass media. This is what we're dealing with in too many instances, you know, not only with the Republican Party, but the Democrats as well. All of a sudden, you see the sanitization of Camilla Harris's record. We have a natural proclivity not to like cops. Black men, of course, you know, you're dealing with three brothers here, and the only cops we like are John Shaft and <laughs> Andy Griffith. This is the African Liberation Media, here with brothers Macaroo and Amos. Gentlemen, take it wherever you want to take it. Uh, don't forget Barney Fife and his one bullet, brother. Absolutely. 
<laughs> the shakiest gun in the West, Don Knotts. <laughs> oh my goodness! Have gun, have gun, will travel. Yes, sir. Uh, reads the card of a man, a soldier of fortune in a savage land. Um, yeah, Cameron uh, is an absolute uh, disgrace. He's a race traitor. There's no question about that. He was forced to release the grand jury recordings by a our person I would have to call a, a, a conscience a grand juror who said that this guy's trying to put all the blame on us. <laughs> and we we don't we don't want to be gunned down. You know, let's let's put the blame where it belongs. You know, we we responded to the information he gave us, and we want the public to know what information he gave us. So he released the recordings, but I found something very, very, very interesting about the uh, the release of the recordings. Uh, Cameron said that juror deliberations and prosecutor recommendations were not recorded as they are not evidence, which he said is standard in grand jury proceedings. If, if, if that's the case, I mean, you know, I... <laughs> People just, just going around talking about this democracy. I mean, it's just an absolute farce because, okay, I can understand the uh, juror deliberations. I can understand the privacy of that. But how how is it that the prosecutor recommendations, what the prosecutor recommended to the grand jury uh, is not evidence? I mean, what what uh, what alternate universe, you know, uh, you know, is, is, is this guy living in? I mean, it's. Uh, Man, I mean, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what what did Mitch McConnell and the crew do to him when they had him up there, you know, on Capitol Hill? Um, there, uh, he he came back after uh, Megan the Stallion uh, was on Saturday Night Live and she played the Tamika Mallory clip and he had a chance to try to defend himself. And this guy actually, in the interview, he actually blamed Brianna Taylor for being too close hmm. to the person who was firing at the police. This is what this guy said. She was too close. So, I mean, what, what this shows is this, this guy has obviously been trained by the uh, uh, U.S. war criminals who kill innocent people in Africa and Asia. I remember when they bombed, the Gaddafi family was gathered uh, for a family cookout and gathering uh, at, uh, outside of Tripoli at one of the son's homes. And Obama sent uh, some drones. Uh, yeah, one of them may have been a French drone or one French drone, one U.S. drone, a Danish drone, I can't remember, or, or a Danish, Danish F-22 or F-16 or French Mirage or whatever, I don't know. Anyway, they bombed a family gathering trying to kill Gaddafi and wound up killing one of his sons and one or two of his grandchildren. And this is the norm. They say, well, they're just collateral damage. They just happen to be too close to the person we were trying to kill. This is what this is what this uh, race trader is saying. Uh, members of the Memphis, 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 
I got the Memphis Massacre on my mind. I just just wrote an article about uh, uh, the potential for a new civil war that'll be out in the county news this week. Uh, so I had the Memphis Massacre on my mind. The Louisville Metro Police Department SWAT unit criticized the raid that ended with Breonna Taylor's death with one member calling it an egregious act. The highly trained SWAT team responded to Taylor's apartment after the fatal shooting. Sergeant Brandon Hogan reportedly told interviewers that in his opinion, identifying a target and what's in the background before an officer opens fire is basic academy stuff. He added he would have ordered everyone inside the apartment to come out one at a time to avoid any potential violence. So, I mean, this is even the SWAT team, you know, criticizing, uh, you know, what what went on there. So, I mean, it's the the Taylor family is demanding a new special prosecutor. And so when when the Fox host asked Daniel Cameron about it, he said, well, I was I was appointed the special prosecutor. No, you represent law enforcement. Uh, when this guy ran for attorney general, a large percentage of his. Uh, campaign finances came from various uh, police organizations, police unions, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no, there's, there, there, there was nothing independent or special about him. I mean, you know, in terms of, of, of being an independent prosecutor. And so the, the Cameron, uh, the Cameron, the uh, Taylor family is demanding a special prosecutor be appointed. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that comes out, but the people in Louisville are still protesting. They are absolutely heroic. Uh, yeah, I, go think, ahead, I think a special prosecutor is probably going to come to the same conclusions because they all represent the police, the prosecution or the, the, um, the attorney general, they are in favor of law enforcement first and foremost. And people have to understand that when you have a system that was built for the comfort of Europeans, then as an African person, you're going to be at odds with that system. And it's not going to change by you trying to change who the prosecutor is or what have you. Um, just like many people think that you can put a black person in that position and that that's going to somehow get us some justice. Well, here you see a clear example where you have a black attorney general and it's the same result. If I wear a size 12 shoe, I'm not going to try to fit my foot into a size 10. And the reason I say that is because Europeans, they wear shoes that are comfortable for them. We're trying to put on their shoes and be wondering why our feet keep hurting. We got to wear our own shoes. And this is this is one of the things that really it's hard for me to understand how people fall for the same trick with this election process every year. Thinking that they can somehow change a process that has been in place since 1776. And has always remained the same. This is why we have to listen to Amos Wilson and Marcus Garvey. I mean, it's just simple. If you live in my house, you can't try to sleep in the master bedroom. That's my bedroom. 
You got to sleep on the couch. I built my house for me. And that's the Europeans' mentality. They built their house. They built this country for themselves. And they created a system that would benefit themselves. And along the way, they oftentimes do racist things to make sure that that system stays intact. That is, uh, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, but we have, you know, one of the things Amos points out, and I just got this, just came in. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, you know, he points out the fact that, uh, that we do have the capacity to apply pressure to the system. Uh, you know, if we would, if we would exert it, you know, so, um, you know, I do think that, uh, that's possible because, I mean, at, at the end of the day, these people, as barbaric as they are, they're still human beings. I mean, they have interactions with other human beings. They drink water. They eat food, you know. Um, so, you know, they're not they're not oblivious to pressure. It just is on how they choose to respond. Well, I think that's the, I know, think they, that's really the only way that that you can really um get the type of change you're looking for is just that when it comes to that type of pressure, you have to be willing to go to a level that will put pressure on them. And um, protesting is really not something that they're going to really uh, bend or, or um, feel pressure unless it has something to do that directly affects um, them being able to make money or live their lives. So if, if, if the protest is not causing any bloodshed or the protest is not economically affecting them, then it's not going to be enough pressure to get any change. And uh, <clears throat> it's obvious that the protests and the marches have not impeded one bit the engines of white supremacy. The words of Dr. King, the system of white supremacy continues to kill us as if it were a national pastime. In fact, it is a national pastime just based on the numbers and the level of carnage and scale and scope all over the world or throughout the African diaspora. But, uh, you know, Neely Fuller talked about uh, something that was very interesting, uh, which both of you brothers touched on, racial showcasing, you know, which <laughs> Daniel Cameron definitely fits that characterization. You know, and uh, clearly, you know, wine skins should make room for new wine, not same old wine, different wine skins. You know, he went on talking about uh, how he was abused in college uh, as if in some way this justifies his treatment. The question where he's additionally confused is that, you know, your ideology is one thing, but your lack of integrity, integrity and your moral decrepitness, your cowardice is what people are taking issue with. You know, you're black conservative, fine. You know, it, it, the, the 
label of conservatism is was always um, questioned by Brother Wilson. You know, what does a black conservative conserve? <laughs> Your wealth. Exactly. And since you have very little wealth, you know, it's clear that you are conserving a system that's responsible for your own degradation, murder, and domination. And to use the words of Tamika uh, Mallory, you know, you have exonerated a system that would kill your mother. Uh, well, those Cameron, are going to be the Negroes that'll be on the front line for the whites. I mean, Every in, time. That, in that interview, he also said that, you know, there's a growing number of us that are tired of getting pushed around. I heard him say that. So well, where are they? <laughs> I mean, this is a mentality that uh, if you go out on, on YouTube now, you'll see quite a few YouTube channels of black conservatives, a lot based out of Texas, uh, other Republican states. And um, in many cases, a lot of them identify with America. They identify with American patriotism and they they really don't have a real understanding of African history or African people outside of slavery. And they also, they have a, a sense of self-hatred deeply amongst, so. them, amongst themselves. They hate uh, the black people around them that live in this country. They would rather be at the country club or around white people or people that act white or people that talk white, people that enjoy doing things that white people like to do. They're embedded in white culture. That's why many of them are in uh, interracial marriages, relationships. And that's why many of them try hard to even make their voice sound white when they go on television. Now, I've heard some black sounding and black talking conservatives too. So, I mean, they can go both ways, but in many cases, you never hear them talk about any of America's foreign policies, especially as it relates to the African continent. They always try to use uh, stereotypical uh, black names like Pookie and Ray Ray and all this other stuff like that. And they try to make it seem as though, you know, black people are at fault for our condition where I would say the only fault that black people have in my opinion is is for allowing this to go on for as long as it has and not stepping up and be willing to put put the hammer down where it needs it where it needs to be put down uh on these people. But as far as blaming black people for the system itself or saying that we somehow uh contribute to our current condition more than the European around us, I think you have to have a lack of understanding of the process and totally. how we got into this position. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of Cameron's comrades, uh, Candace Owens Kundis. had a, uh, she has a group called Blexit. Not sure what it stands for. I guess it's a means a black black exit, I guess, from I don't know, maybe the Democrat Party or I don't know what they're trying to exit from. Uh obviously they're in a mad dash for the uh 
for Trump's plantation. Uh, so she had a, she had about 400, 400 of her uh, comrades or uh, people she paid to come to uh, a rally that uh, Trump's first quote-unquote post-COVID rally was a speech he gave to a group of Negroes, amazingly enough. Um, I don't know what he thinks, what he thinks he can bite into there in terms of, you know, Biden's overwhelming lead, but it's very interesting that, uh, that he had, that, uh, Owens organized this, uh, obviously funded probably, you know, by the, uh, the usual, uh, cast of characters, uh, what's the Zionist name? I can't think of his name now, but anyway, all these people that fund these things. So, um, so after, uh, after she, no, before the group went to the white house, I think they went to, uh, this, uh, uh, mural Bowser, this painting she had done on the street there, that black lives matter painting she had done. Candace Owens took her people over there to have a pro-police rally <laughs> standing on the Black Lives Matter painting. So the, these people, man, they are, they are out there. Let's put it like that. <laughs> they, are, they are definitely out there. And, you know, and obviously some of them are, are getting paid very well. Uh, another uh, thing that happened and this is where I, this is a critical time, I think, for for African people in this country to not get caught up in in all of this madness that's going on and to be primarily focused on our on our own survival and self-defense, self-defense strategies. Um, there was a, a group of uh, militia members who hatched a plot. To, uh, to kidnap the governor of Michigan, a Democrat uh, by the name of Gretchen Whitmer. And the, uh, the plot was actually foiled by uh, Trump's, uh, or by the FBI, maybe working independently of Trump or whoever, along with uh, Michigan uh, state officials. But, uh, you know, it's just very interesting how... Um, you know how this how this uh, attack you know was planned and came about. Um, they said that that their objective was to storm the state capitol, instigate a civil war, abduct the governor, and then they were going to put her on trial, trial for treason. So, I mean, this, you know, this, you know, I, I got I got this caption going. Twenty twenty is eighteen sixty. Uh, but it actually could be 1866 for for African people. Uh, you 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 see you see this 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 type of activity taking place, and whereas right now most of it has has been white on white. There was an incident in uh, Denver, uh, a group of a uh, group including the Denver Communist Party and other anti-fascists held what was organized, what was being called a Antifa Black Lives Matter uh, soup giveaway. They were giving away soup or whatever. And so a group of uh, 
Patriots said they were going to organize a counter rally. And um, there was a confrontation between two white men and one white man pulled a gun and killed the other one. Um, there's a picture of the, the guy that got killed uh, using a, a pepper spray on the guy who was had a gun pointed straight at him. Yeah, I don't know who did who, what first, but you know, once again, this was a this this was an act of white on white violence, and you know, just like we saw in Portland, and you know, we're seeing in Seattle and other places. And the the, the critical thing is is for African people not to allow themselves to be used as cannon fodder for these groups, you know, who's whose interests are not aligned with ours ultimately. Now, the reason why I say 1866 is because after the, uh, well, let me do the 1860 first. Okay, so there were four presidential candidates in 1860. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was not even on the ballot in 10 Southern states. And so when uh, he was elected, uh, I think he got 40% of the vote or whatever, he got enough electoral votes to be uh, become president. The people in the southern states didn't recognize him as their president. And so with South Carolina leading the way, they began to secede from the Union. And then, you know, that resulted in uh, the American Civil War that cost somewhere between, you know, 617 and 800 plus lives, depending on which estimates you want to use. Uh, so this election, based on some of the polls that have been produced, say that uh, a majority of the people will not accept the results because they don't believe this election is going to be fair and square. So what you could have is a is a group of people who don't who who won't accept Trump if he wins or Biden if he wins, and so this this has all the makings of a of a massive civil conflict. Now, we're not talking about when we say civil war, we're not talking here about a recapitulation of 1861 through 1865, because, you know, I, I don't see, you know, they're, they're the red states seceding from the Union. I don't see that happening. Uh, but they could have they could be a lot of death and destruction because for one reason, uh, people have been warning for at least 14, 15 years that the U.S. military and police forces are heavily infiltrated with white supremacists. And so when, when, a, when the conflict, when the, when the proverbial horse manure hits the fan, I would expect these people to align with their ideological comrades the same way Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and other people who were serving in the U.S. military did. They, they, resign their uh, uh, offices in the U.S. military and join the, uh, the Confederates, who they were ideologically aligned with. African people have to be on guard because what happened was after, after the Confederates lost the Civil War, they took their revenge immediately out on African people, uh, beginning with the massacre in Memphis in 1866. So you know, this 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 is a very serious situation. I think we talked about some of this last week and, you know, and I, I'm reiterating it, hopefully not being redundant. 
because uh, Kwame Ture always warned us about that. But you know, this is something that we really have to uh, have to be have to have to be aware of. I mean, it's uh, it's very it's very 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 serious. Uh, these are very serious times, and uh, you know, we could become the low hanging fruit. Our communities are vulnerable. No, there's no doubt about that. And you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something like the Colfax massacre or the Lane. Arkansas massacre, you know, they have these lone wolves and Dylan Roof proves how how devastating one lone wolf can be. So, um, you know, we need to be seriously uh, organizing or preparing for, you know, what what could very well happen. Brother, you need to uh, continue to remind us so that we can maintain a high level of vigilance, a higher level of vigilance. You know, problems, causes, solutions, implementation. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, social planners, for lack of a better term, a guy named Samuel Huntington. This goes way back to the time of uh, the King assassination, that critical year, the year that I say... Uh, <clears throat> was he I was born psychologically, he foresaw many of this and he talked about future wars being between cultures. He wrote a book called Democracy in Crisis. You know, offered warnings and, uh, you know, Brother almost alluded to Amos Wilson who um, alerted us to the writings of uh, Kotkine classic book called Tribes. I have it at the house. Um, it's only necessary to read the first chapter. You know, a cot kind warns, born amidst the optimism of the rational coming of a universal world. The 21st century, he writes, will begin with the increasing emphasis in the power of tribes, ethnicity, in religion. So this is a warning to people like Kunda Soins who attempt to graduate out of her blackness. Uh, so these warnings have been put forth by people in the know. And what we're seeing is the manifestation of um, what was, you know, talked about, foretold, you know, at least 50 years ago as they saw... Um, the world moving toward an economic system where wealth would become more concentrated and uh, the historical lack of analysis on the part of the raw elements of the white supremacist dynamic and the Negro lackeys who aid and abet and justify their murder, of course, uh, uh, have historically been played by the 12 billionaires who have amassed at least a trillion dollars controlling a significant portion of the nation's wealth. Uh, yes, these are dangerous times. And, um, of course, the usual suspects, you know, blacks, long hairs, intellectuals, Muslims, so forth, um, uh, have historically been the targets. Hmm. Most deaf. 
Heavy brother, man, listen to him today. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it was KRS-One, I think, yeah. Interesting, brother. Yes. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Um, it didn't really make much news, but there was a bill that was presented um, that was introduced to the House of Representatives by um, Brad Schneider. This was uh, last week. And the bill aims to give or grant Israel veto power over the United States being able to sell F-35 fighter jets or military weapons in the Middle East. Now, this is the first time that another country would have the power, veto power in Congress over the United States business deals. Um, it was sponsored by Brad Snyder, which is a Republican, but it also, who, who is a Democrat, excuse me. But it also um, got support from uh, some other Republicans as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how far this bill goes or if Donald Trump, uh, if he actually agrees to this, because somebody like Trump, who claims to be a nationalist, should see this as a red flag to the United States sovereignty. So it'll be interesting to see if this goes through, how his constituency and his white followers will view uh, this move. And it's been a lot that's been going on uh, between the United States and Israel, because recently, back in August, the United States uh, came to an agreement with Israel to stop selling advanced military weapons to China. So it seems as though <laughs> <laughs> it seems as though Israel is in a position where they are playing an ally with the United States, but at the same time, strengthening the biggest opposition to the United States at this point, which is the Chinese government. Well, on top of that, on top of that, last week, they, um, not last week, but last month, they signed a a peace deal, a peace treaty, where Trump presented the key to the White House to Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah, Trump, Trump is Trump is a fake anti-globalist. He's a he's a pseudo anti-Trump. Trump is only interested in Trump. He's all over the place. I mean, ultimately, that's I mean, that's that's all he's interested in. Uh, well, some people supposedly, that believe, some people that huh? believe that he was uh, a puppet that was handpicked by the Israelis and that. A lot of this nationalistic talk is nothing more than a fraud to cause chaos and destabilization in the United States. Ultimately, for Israel Israel to become a stronger stronger nation, because he has pretty much done everything to appease Israel since he's been in office. Yeah, he increased the amount of money that Obama (laughs) had 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 agreed to give to him and and the fact of the matter is i mean if you want to look if you want to look at the election from that perspective the election is is between two zionists 
you know, two camps of Zionists because the, the, the Christian fundamentalists who Mike Prince, Mike uh, Pence, flying ahead, Pence represents, huh. uh, are, you know, Zionists. So, and they really are looking for a breakthrough because supposedly the Saudis okay. are negotiating a treaty with Israel. And some people are saying that actually the Saudis and Trump had man manipulated this whole thing. They wanted to test the waters uh, with uh, the smaller Gulf states, the Emirates and Bahrain, uh, before you know they moved the Saudis. And supposedly Israel is supplying intelligence to the Saudis for their war on Yemen. And basically, the Arab League is just has, is reduced to a joke because, you know, the, the only strong leaders that they have, are, you know, they they've removed a, a, a lot of them. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, Assad is, you know, under attack. Uh, well, check this the out. Mid the, Go the, ahead. The, the, the name of the deal that they signed was called. The Abraham Accords. Yeah, yeah, that meaning, was meaning the uh, the three Abrahamic religions. Exactly. Uh, Judaism, exactly. Christianity, yep. Islam. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly what it was, and a lot of people feel that uh, you know it was just the Saudis were testing the waters to see, you know how, you know what the response you know would be, uh. And they they actually would be would probably be more concerned with um, you know a response from you know Al Qaeda or or the Islamic State or somebody versus another Arab you know other Arab countries who are basically weak. But uh, one of the things that I, that <laughs> that that I found very interesting it was a report on the uh, either mid. Mideast Eye or Mideast Monitor, something, one of those, and it was also on Al Jazeera. Uh, Sunni Muslims from Senegal and Sudan are being hired as mercenaries by the Saudis to fight in Yemen. And obviously, the largest contingent is coming from Sudan. So, Sudan just had a, a change in government, but they Sudan is also looking to normalize relationships with with the Zionist state. And so they really they, they really got this thing, you know, you know, hooked up in terms of, you know, how they plan to, uh, you know, rule the world. And I guess their feeling is that if they can just if they can just get Putin to stand down while they try to do whatever they can do to China then, you know, they'll, you know, then they'll be set up. You know, Amos talks about, I want to read about 20 pages. He, but he, he talks about how 3% of the population wield this enormous power. 3%. And he said, and here we are like, you know, 12, you know, 13%. And, you know, we can't do anything for Africa. But look what look what look what uh, the Jews are able to do for the Zionist state. 
But of course, the Jews have a lot of allies, you know, in in this, uh, like you say. Uh, and they got a lot they, of money. They got a lot of money they, that they've they taken have, over a, a lot of years, which is why yeah, they've they, been expelled from so many different countries. They have money and they have and, and they're able to buy influence. I mean, because, you know, they take all of these uh, Congress people and whatnot and others, uh, students from HBCUs, you know, to the Zionist state every year. I, I, you know, I remember a disgusting picture of Draymond Green dressed in an IDF uniform firing a, a, a 50 caliber machine gun. I mean, you know, this 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 is what they do. So, uh yeah, Trump is playing every every friggin' end he can play, and uh, you know this guy. This guy is not he, he, he you know he he puts up a nationalist front, uh, but you know his his base his, that nationalist front is enough for his his base to grab onto and say you know we you know we 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 still support him, you know so you know that that's going on. Um, I did want to uh, talk about this uh, uh, verbal assault on our queen mother, Adelaide Sanford, who is 95, a, a, a true warrior, particularly back in the, in the, uh, in the beginnings of the African Senate movement. Uh, this sister is absolutely amazing. So what uh, uh, Dr. James McIntosh reported this on October the tenth on Thursday, October seventh at a at a seven ten uh, p.m. New, New York State Board of Regents Vice Chancellor Emerita Adelaide Sanford, who turns ninety five next next month, was shouted down and prevented from speaking by a gang of individuals who invaded a Zoom forum titled "Should Black People Vote for Either Presidential Candidate?" So as a uh, uh, Queen Mother began to speak and to weave a, you know, st a story about, you know, being, uh, you know, her grandmother was uh, an enslaved African woman. People began calling her this, this, this elderly, you know, our Queen Mother, the N-word, a cunt, stupid, while blasting music, obliterating the screen with Nazi imagery, homosexual pornography a picture mocking uh, George Floyd and violent images uh, such as uh, people being uh, burned alive while being lynched. Uh, most of us have seen the picture of Jess Washington in Texas, the, his burned body hanging from a tree. So, you know, these kinds of things. And th this is something that, that they call uh, a Zoom bomb. And uh, so the, the, these um, these Neanderthals are using every weapon in the book. Uh, you know, why would they uh, attack a forum saying should black people vote for either presidential candidate? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But uh, anyway, they, they, they had to stop their uh, uh, podcast and uh, or their Zoom uh, program and reorg it with uh without uh you know uh, audience being able to participate so i just wanted to point that out that i mean th this is just another example 
And, you know, we saw the case of the uh, 39-year-old brother being killed by the white supremacist uh, sexual predator pedophile, the guy that was accused of uh, raping a nine-year-old girl, amazingly is out of jail, been harassing his black family for uh, about a year, uh, standing in their door, screaming the N-word at him, and the brother went outside to confront him, and the guy shot the brother six times right in front of his children. Uh, he had three children, one three, one nine, I can't remember the age of the other, mm. and his girlfriend. And so rule number one is this. This is rule number one. Do not verbally engage these Neanderthals. Because when we... I don't know what that sound is. Um, when, we, when we verbally engage these Neanderthals, then they are able to tug on our emotions and pull us into their orbit of ignorance where they have the advantage. We need to be focused on, we need to have preconceived self-defense strategies and survival strategies. Okay? There was no need to go outside your house and confront this guy unless you was going outside with an AK-47. All right, and then you would probably be charged with murder. So stand your ground in your house and, you know, see if law enforcement responds. And if not, then, you know, do what you have to do. But the brother went out to argue with him. I'm not blaming the victim. I'm just saying this is the mentality we have to have. Because, you know, this, this is just something that's going to become more and more and more and more prevalent. And it can happen to any one of us at any, anywhere. Whether you're pumping, you might be pumping gas at a service station, you know. I mean, you, it could be, you could be anywhere when one, when one of these Neanderthals goes off. And the first thing we want to do is start hollering and screaming, cursing and whatnot, because they're using the N-word, okay, which, you know, we don't object about, we don't object to when we hear it in music. But when they start using it, you know, all of a sudden our emotions are bent out of shape. And a lot of times when we see our people killing one another, they're using the N-word. So, I mean, control your emotions. Don't get caught up. Don't get drawn into their orbit of ignorance because they have the advantage because they, their spiritual energy is at the base of the path. Once you start engaging them, then your spiritual energy goes to, to where theirs is. All right, and they have the advantage. Okay. Okay. Reading this article out of uh, a public um, citizen document, a reputable document, and um, what they offer is empirical evidence of his uh, disingenuousness. Okay, he promised uh, to many of his base his constituents that he would save American jobs according to this magazine uh, he has rewarded the usual suspects Boeing General Electric United Technology they have received uh, the number <clears throat> this magazine gave public citizen was 425 billion dollars in terms of contracts and these are some of the major outsources 
uh, and as a result of this, the uh, U.S. Um, citizens, the working class, we've lost somewhere in the neighborhood of at least 200,000 jobs, you know, more. Um, <clears throat> that might be a misquote on my past. But, uh, you know, here again, uh, the guy's just all over the place. Yeah, send send that send that uh send send me a text or an email or something with that so we can get that posted because okay okay uh you know the the economics I guess we we need to address at at some point uh Chris Hedges has been dealing with that pretty extensively uh there is a looming uh potential eviction of forty million people. God Almighty! Forty million Americans coming by the by the end of this year, and uh, so I mean, these, these you know these things are, yeah. But 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 send me that. Oh, okay, um, sure, sure, yeah, sure. Send send me that. Um, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we posted we posted a um, article today from our courageous, dynamic, and of course beautiful sister Azili Danto. On the genocide of rapist pedophile, uh, who was celebrated today in some quarters of the United States with a holiday, we're talking about Cristobal Colon, also known as Christopher Columbus. Uh, Michael Bradley said the Joker had so many identities; who knows who he really was? Uh, but uh, uh, so, Sister Sister Azili, the IET uh, activist and revolutionary uh, is uh, dealing with uh, dealing with this uh, this monstrosity <laughs> and the uh, the disaster of 1492. And so I would invite people to go to our uh, African Liberation Media Facebook page and read the article uh, that we posted that was that was written by our sister. Uh, uh, very very informative. And we should people should always keep in mind when you're talking about these this, these uh, genocide heirs or cannibals, <laughs> as uh, you know they were the uh, indigenous people began to call them because of the dis massive destruction of life. You know, um, between the disaster of 1492 and 1600. 56 million indigenous people in the so-called Americas in the Caribbean died uh, as a result of um, the European invasion, uh, you know, with their uh, diseased bodies. Now, mind you, this is even before uh, the Europeans began their conquest of uh, most of North America, the United States and, and Canada. Um, so, you know, between those two countries, you could easily be talking about it, another, you know, 15, 20 million people uh, that they committed genocide against. Uh, but this, uh, you know, my son asked me, he said, he said, why? He said, everybody knows that uh, this clown didn't discover America. Why is there a holiday? And I said, because the United States is spiritually and philosophically ideologically aligned with conquest 
because, you know, it's his conquest that uh, set Europe up uh, for what it is today and set, you know, white supremacy on this course of domination. Uh, obviously, that's a that's a subject uh, for another discussion, but uh, do check out the article by uh, our brilliant sister, Azili Danto. You know, I've also found it interesting a while back, brother, you were mentioning the fact that so many indigenous people will kill Arawak and Taino, that the ecosystem was adversely affected. Yeah, uh, the CO2 level drops significantly. The temperature of the earth declined. Uh, yeah, yeah but talks about the fact that uh, during our uh, Maafa, the transatlantic slave traffic, those voyages, that the ecosystem of the Atlantic Ocean was altered so much so that um, the shark, the migratory pattern of the shark has been affected forever. To this day. Even to this day. Even right. to this day. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, take it where you want to take it. Uh, this uh, would be a a conversation uh, <clears throat> fitting for a person like John Henry Clark uh, and some others, uh, you know, who considers the European uh, mentality, uh, the Yorugu spirit, Marimba Ani. You know, to be synonymous with a being who can be aptly described as the sickest, most dangerous being on the planet. Mm. Yep, and he's only going to get worse. Yes, sir. Okay, we are the heirs of Africans who overcame slavery, legal apartheid, torture, you name it. We will make it. This is the African Liberation Media. I've had the pleasure to chat here with Brothers Amos and Makaru of BB48. BB48, African family. BB48. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. 